Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear, don't call the boss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 Any fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Yes, sir. We're looking across at each other and we're saying to ourselves, let's hit that red button. <laughs> Didn't we, Matt? Yeah. Come on, hit the red button. And here we are. Let the sounds out, people. Talking to Melbourne through the wondrous technology of radio or well, the internet, if that's how you're listening. I have a slightly crazed look on my face at the moment. You are a bit manic today. Only because I just thought I'd pull the switch, you know, because mm. sometimes... You know, we, we do this thing mm. where um, uh, Pavlov. Yes. Something about reflex. Yeah. You know, red red light goes on, something happens to me. <laughs> it's just this years and years of, of doing this. Yeah. That, uh, uh, Matt and I can be in any mood pretty much, mm. and then that red button comes on, mm-hmm. and we are just... Ready to do it and say, ladies and gentlemen around Victoria and Melbourne, how you doing? How are you? And maybe you might be listening to us later. So yeah, on the catch up. How were you at that time? Mm. Maybe look back, have a good look into your feelings. Isn't it nice? Um, it does feel like spring. I'm seeing a lot of bare arms today. Yep, including yours. My hands are up. <laughs> Got my guns out. Got your guns out. <laughs> You hold it up like that. What's that? Hey, gun rack. Um, how are you, folks? Thank you to the brains in the building who have all gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're uh, they're hiding outside the other studio. But I'm starting to go go again. Well, maybe maybe they're having a picnic out in the courtyard. <laughs> it's just a kind of day. That'll be a first. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Thorpe catching up with his. Correspondences over here. It's a quiet time here at Three Triple R, mm-hmm. and I thought we just might take this little bit of quiet time. Mm-hmm. And I know, dear listener, and especially the ones who have been so generous. Mm-hmm. Now you know where this is going, don't you, folks? During Radiothon, um, we have to probably. Come a little bit clean in the fact that maybe Radiothon has been not quite as 
greatest expected. It's been a more challenging year. How do year. we put this? Yes. Yes, we've been slightly challenged, so we're yes, still encouraging good. you. Whilst you still can, because obviously the Radiothon continues all the way through to the 5th of October. And this is one of the things that the, the poster that we have mm. that we did get printed, which I think has been really, really good this year, mm. one station under a groove, mm-hmm. it does say until the 5th of October. Yep, and so you have until then to subscribe and be in the running for all the prizes. I'm going to uh, say Mia Culpa. I haven't gotten around to it yet because oh. I've just had a lot on. But that's okay. So uh, I get an email reminding me from people going, hey, your subscription's about to expire. Hey, hey you. Um, and so I will, I will take action on that. But, um, yeah, if, if you're listening and you still haven't subscribed, uh, we would ask you to do so before... October 5, and you're still in the running for all the prizes. All the good stuff we spoke at you about mm. a few weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's pretty much what we thought. But mm. we did think we'd take a, a little bit of time at the top of the show just to um, mention that fact because, well, the other times of the year we don't. No. Which uh, is, is kind of good. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know. Have you ever listened to PBS in – not PBS, the uh, – the uh, sort of our sister, mm-hmm. but uh, the Americans. Oh, the American Public Radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're just, wow. They're like, they've got that cap out all the time. <laughs> so anyway, we, we don't do that. It's just Radiothon 2022. Yeah. Goes for a certain amount of time. Um, it is about the cost of three packets of cigarettes, I suppose, if you're doing it that way. Yeah, right. Um, and concession $40. So um, everything over $2 that you give to us is tax deductible. Thank you very, very much. Hit, on, hit up the website if you want to do that. A good idea. On today's show, Cameron. Yes, and uh, we've got our screen. You got the screen open in case people do, and we'll read them out. Yeah, yeah, we, we'll do that during the uh, uh, the hour. Before we, uh, Matt and I, look back at our culinary week with What's That in Your Mouth? Uh, <laughs> Which was a term you came up with. I thought it was. What's it in your mouth? Yeah, what's it in your mouth? It was a very brilliant term. Uh, we're going to do that. And uh, Matt's been to an extraordinary place in South Melbourne, which I yes. can't wait to hear about. Um, but uh, before we do that, on today's show, mm. uh, we have Lee Tran Lam. Mm hmm. Um, a, um, a person, the only person I know. Mm. That has had a sandwich named after them. Oh, yeah. yeah I, you, see, I, I don't know. Do you know any? No, I don't. I saw that. I saw no. you because Matt did the uh, looking up and to the <laughs> left, left upwards, which is accessing memory. This is my old friend I'm Bob t- Rubin over here. Yeah, Bob Rubes. <laughs> With like a word, Charlie Club. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, anyway, we're going to find out what the uh, the Lee Tran is. Yes. No, apparently it has broccolini in it. Oh. Okay. There you go. Mm. Uh, but she has been very, very busy working in collaboration with the Powerhouse Museum in Sydney mm-hmm. doing a series of podcasts which will be released, the first one on the 27th, so that's a couple mm-hmm. of days, and um, doing things like the story of um, yeast and Vegemite mm. and, uh, and, and oysters. And oh. so this first one is, is all about oysters. And I think mm. it was kind of timely because we were um, having a chat with um, an oyster goer last week mm. from Wap and Go. Mm-hmm. So I thought it might be interesting to look at the cultural influence of oysters throughout the centuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Do you know that there are, there are middens around that are just huge, mm. 60 feet high, yeah. containing millions and millions of oysters, which mm-hmm. surely show how um, sustainable mm. the oysters uh, were back in the times. But uh, one of the themes we have here in in this country mm. is colonisation and pretty much a destruction of all the oyster beds. <laughs> like, if we think about uh, around Melbourne, mm. the, the bay was full of oysters. Yeah, right. And oysters were very much uh, carne de pauvre. Yes. You know, the meat of the poor, where yes. you could get a plate of oysters for pretty much what would be the equivalent of three bucks. And now, five bucks each. Mm. I'm happy about that. Mm. I, I miss just that spectacle and the... the Eating a dozen oysters, mm. and also, but maybe the one great thing that um, has been that we just sell them as singular pleasures, is we don't have to endure the joke about having ordering a dozen oysters and only eleven of them worked. <laughs> so that is that's hysterical. <laughs> Laugh with me if you would. No, they're not. Okay. Anyway, so Lee Chan, we're going to have a chat yes. with her. Looking forward to that, and then. That's um, uh, that 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 whirling dervish of energy, uh, that great person, the doyen of hospitality herself, mm. Katerina Borsato, recently made legend by the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. Yes, is coming in. She's bringing prosecco and capocollo hey. and all sorts of things. So we're going to have a little picnic and we're going to talk about what is it about Italians that makes them. So hospitable. Yeah. Well, most of them anyway. Katarina sort of personifies that. So um, we're going to talk about that, um, you know, what she's cooking, what's all that sort of stuff. But before we do that, I thought we'd do the old, what's that in your your mouth? mouth? What is that you've got in your mouth there, Cam? What is it? Um, Well, it's it's a little bit uh, of stuff left over from a Zechuan hot pot that I did. Mm. Um, I've been very, very slack with my Instagram um, this week. I don't think I've put anything on there. I've just got a picture of this <laughs> this pot of um, really hot soup, which um, someone, actually, Joel, Joel Bardet, said, uh, can I have the recipe? Because um, I really, really loved your Mapu Tofu, oh, nice. and I've been very, very slack in that I haven't put that on. Mm. But... Um, I don't know if you've ever made. Have you ever made a Zechuan hot pot sort of? Like no, a, I've done a little, a few little Zechuan stir fry sort of arrangements, but I've never made a soup with uh, Zechuan pepper. Because there's a couple of things you need to get. You've got to go mm. to a Chinese um, food store and get the the broad bean chili paste. It's in yeah. a jar. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you mm-hmm. need. That's what's going to give you that deep. Profundo mm-hmm. um, sort of Zechuan um, action, and then you need the treble, um, which is the Zechuan pepper, which is mm-hmm. like a looks like a peppercorn, mm-hmm. uh, except they're sort of a dull red yes. color, approaching brown, like an ochre. Mm, maybe not ochre, more mm. more sort of a, yeah, more more ready, mm. matter matter sort of uh, uh, color. And I was actually thinking, I really wanted to. Get myself a, a new peppercorn 
grinder just for Zechuan pepper? Wouldn't oh, that that's be cool? A good idea. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Because I just mortar and pestle mine, but that's you know it takes a bit of time. You got to get the mortar and pestle. Out and yeah, go, but then you could you could just you know you know and, and you should always whenever you use Zechuan pepper, you should always roast them mm-hmm. a, a little bit. So anyway, to make a good Zechuan hot pot, what you really need to do is you fry off some aromatics, ginger, garlic until fragrant, then you add some of this, um, the broad bean chilli paste Mm -hmm. to that. Um, And then after that, what you do is you put in, usually you can get packets of um, preserved vegetables. Mm -hmm. That's another thing you get at at the the Asian grocery Mm -hmm. type place. Um, And you put a couple of those in. And then you stir that up, and then you add your liquid. Um, you can add chicken stock. Yes. And it would work with vegetable stock. Of course it would. Um, but um, to be really authentic, it's it's chicken. Mm-hmm. And from there... Do what you want with it. Well, you pretty much add... I added bean shoots. Yep. Chinese cabbage. Yep. Um, and then whatever protein you want. Oh, a whole bunch of tofu Yep. in there. Um, and then uh, I think I just um, – I had some chicken thighs, which I just put through the oven, had on top of it lots of coriander, a little bit of lime juice, and that's pretty much it. It's super easy to make vegetarian too if you wanted to, if you swap, as you say, the stock and then just go hard with the tofu and the and the green veggies. You could have a couple of types of tofu. Maybe you could have mm. some normal – firm tofu, mm. maybe some dried tofu on top of that. Maybe – There'll be a whole bunch of Chinese turning in their graves here going, what are you, what are you, what on earth? I was thinking fried tempeh. I, lo- I love fried tempeh. That's yummy. Mm. Yummy stuff. Anyway, that's uh, that's my thing. If you want to do it yourself, um, look up Hot Pot. Um, I know there is some, and, and I have to, a mea culpa, because mm. we're all friends here, right? Yeah. Yeah, come on, you know mm. me. <laughs> I know you. We've been talking to each other for a long time. Well, you've been listening anyway. I've been talking. We've been talking together. You know, we know what we're talking about. You know, I'm talking to you. But Shannon Martinez, mm-hmm. just thought I'd mention that. Mm-hmm. If you go to her Instagram mm-hmm. and you pull down a recipe, that's pretty much that's where I got that method uh-huh. from. And it was actually Shannon Martinez who, in the middle of lockdown, inspired me to do Zechuan Hot Pot because... I love that woman because there ain't nothing she can't cook, <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, true. she just... Challenge accepted. She just yeah. goes, yeah, I can do that. You know, I remember one day she came up to me and said, look, I've just discovered how to do vegan cheese. Yes. It's made out of cashew butter. Mm. And I looked at it and went, wow, it's just like proper blue cheese. You're incredible. <laughs> anyway, so um, scroll down her recipes if you want to get an idea of it. Otherwise, just look it up. And and do it, but have a go mm. and uh, make sure you go in. It is twelve sixteen. Jesus, I've been going on about this too long. You should have prodded me, Matt, and well, go, Cam. Yeah. This, you know, tell us about this South Melbourne place. So, Japanese dining in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. are really lucky to have some, like a, a good handful now of amazing Minamishima. Uh, Minamishima to me is, is like is still the the flagship of Japanese dining. I, in I this went city. there. I was taken there. Mm. I was allowed to go there. And huge thanks to that person that took me out there because it was just 
Brookie, you know who you are. Darling. I was just one of the great meals of my lifetime, to be honest it with you. It is incredible. And we also we, we have, of course, Izakaya Den in the city. We have Kisame, Kisame in the city. which is probably the third best. Oh, I, and I wouldn't. I, I'm, I'm not trying to rank them or. or, or I just think okay, they're. I did. they're oh yeah, well, you did. But I, I did. think they're all uh, amazing restaurants. And in, in the last couple of years, there's been a couple more that may or may not be on your radar. If they were a football team, they'd be premiership winning ones. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so they'd be the Geelong. So the, and let's just get it. Get the, the get the big uh, issue out what? up front and centre. Japanese dining, Cam. Yeah. It's expensive. Oh, yeah. It doesn't grow on trees, you know. It is very expensive when yeah. you're having good sushi, good sashimi. But uh, it's sort of like a once-in-a-year kind of dining event for me. Um, and so the couple that uh, have been on my radar that have opened during lockdown, the first one's in the city called Warabi. It's uh, at the bottom ground floor of the W Hotel there on Collins Street, believe it or not. The W Hotel? Yes, it's the new one, uh, sort of near Market and Collins. Um and a seat oh, at, that was the, the weird... Yeah, the, with the, the bridge the, over yeah, the top. The, yeah, 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 right. Um, yep. And a seat at that sushi counter is... That's right. You told me about that. one of life's amazing pleasures. And the one I discovered yesterday... Yeah. Uh, in South Melbourne on Farrar Street, and I'm going to get this wrong, it's called uh, Komeyui. Yeah. Komeyui. Yeah. It starts with K. Um, okay, got that right. Amazing little place that, in a nondescript location, if I'm honest, but we again sat at the sushi counter, had... Uh, at this amazing experience of any view, is there, is there no, it's it's a beautiful dining a room, but doesn't really look out on anything. Yes, um, and and just this amazing experience that you get with Japanese dining, where you know you watch the master with his with his knife, <clears throat> just cutting a single slice every time. Into every movement is considered exactly. Yes, um, nothing is wasted. Now it is it's expensive. So lunch uh, doesn't sashimi. pick his nose. No, 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 Lord, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just did that for you. Yeah. So anyway, lunch, yes. lunch, yeah, this is your counter. It's 150 per head, so it's, it's exy. Um, is that with booze? No, you got to pay big booze. On top of that. Um, but it is one of life's... I, there's something just mystical about sushi, I find. It's such a simple thing, but the balance and harmony you can achieve with effectively rice, a bit of fish... Uh, and uh, uh, you know, and a dressing with some uh, wasabi and is just exquisite. So check it out. It's on Kamayui on Farrar Street in South Melbourne. I've been to um, sushi places where I'm sure they put drugs in the food. How is it this good? It go, is, how is it? something that just <laughs> it just sends you. Yeah. There's something incredible. Hey, um, we're what? running late. We should get to uh, to to Lee Tran. How about we we pay a bit of mortgage yeah. and then uh, we will we'll speak to Lee. Oh, what a great idea! Yeah. Yeah. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going over the Great Dividing Range, we're over the Murray River, but now we're speaking to... Lee Tran Lamb, who... um, Where are you, Lee Tran? Uh, I'm in Sydney on Gadigal Country. It's a lovely day up here. Is it? Yes. Not raining? No, no, the weather's actually behaving, so that's really nice for the weekend. God, it must be amazing getting some sunshine up there because (laughs) you you guys have been doing it pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, it's nice not to have soggy weather for a change. Yeah, soggy weather. And also, um, I've got to say, um, all this rain... 
um, is very, very, very bad for growing oysters because uh, oysters don't really, really like that runoff. Um, but no doubt you probably have found that out because uh, you've been uh, you've been studying them pretty, pretty heavily. Yeah, I've become quite an oyster nerd for this new podcast. Yes. Uh, that's coming up through the Powerhouse Museum. I don't know how well people in Melbourne know the Powerhouse Museum, but it's uh, a museum that showcases, you know, science and design um, and Australian history. And this particular podcast, the Culinary Archives podcast, uh, is looking at Australian history through food and through some really fascinating objects um, I've found via the collection, which you can actually also look up online if you want to yeah, oh, nerd cool. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like half a million objects in the collection and you can look up like century-old Vegemite jars, uh, you can find, I think there's like a 4,000-year-old uh, Mesopotamian, like, bread-making pot. There's lots of cool wow. and weird stuff. Like, there's um, Ken Doan Sydney Harbour Bridge pasta from 1999 and the pasta sauce jar still. Oh, is that uh, like an, an extruded noodle that is shaped like the opera, uh, the... The Harbour Bridge, did you say? Yes, yes, it looks exactly like the Harbour Bridge. Oh, I think wow. they must have done it just before the Olympics. I wish they still did. It'd be kind of hilarious to eat the Harbour Bridge hey, pasta. Lee Tran, before we um, uh, before we actually do get underway with um, the podcasts that you have produced in collaboration with the lovely Powerhouse, um, I was saying to Matt. You are probably the only person I know in my whole lifetime um, that has had a sandwich named after them. So, can, <laughs> come uh, spill the beans on that. Thank you very okay. much. What is, what is All it? Right. What's in a Lee Tran? <laughs> the Lee Tran sandwich. So I think this was twenty seventeen or so. Yeah. Um, there's a great there's a great cafe in Sydney called Saga. And I would go in and I would fangirl over their broccoli and parmesan focaccia. I would get, like, super excited about it. Mm. And then they made a sandwich that was sort of the same vibe as that focaccia. I think it is charred broccolini, uh, fermented chili, mayo. Um, There's uh, a cheese... um, And uh, I think there are capers. uh, Bit of acid, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um... And then they toast it and then they grill some lemon and can squeeze the lemon on top or inside or however you like. Yeah, uh, yeah and so they named it after me because I kept fangirling over, I guess, the focaccia predecessor mm. to the sandwich. So, yeah, it's funny. I once had someone come up to me when I, I was introducing myself and they're like, I hear the person the sandwich is named after. <laughs> so that was pretty hilarious. Gosh, you know what could be a good ingredient in that sandwich? Is maybe a, no 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 <laughs> seriously a little bit of oyster sauce. Ah oh, yes yes, it which is a nice segue. It wouldn't to this it, topic. it wouldn't actually no, a bit of oyster sauce would be pretty good with that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but but that leads us to the fact that the the powerhouse saw the great power in you as uh, to uh, the research you can do and the fire in the belly uh, in regard to food and foodstuffs and stuff like that, which is so evident in um, the first episode, which I've been lucky enough to listen to. Um, And the first one you did 
um, is all about this lovely little bivalve that was everywhere around uh, Australia and uh, and then colonialisation kicked in and it all kind of changed a little bit. The oyster. Yeah, the, yeah I mean, for thousands and thousands of years, thanks to um, the First Nations people of Australia, like, mm. oysters thrived. And even just after settlement, um, you know, there were so many oysters that, like, roads were literally paved with oysters. Um, They'd crush up um, oyster shells for road base. Um, They'd put it in actual buildings. Uh, People would burn the oyster shells for lime. Like the oldest, I think, public building in New South Wales, which I think is the old government house in Parramatta on Doric land, that has like some plundered um, oyster shell. I think plundered from... um, something called a midden. I don't know how familiar people are with middens, but they're these deposits, which were really important uh, for Indigenous people because they kind of helped them document what they were eating. So there were some um, big middens at where Sydney Opera House is today. And, you know, all these First Nations clans would come around and they'd feast. And then they would keep track of what they were eating uh, by decorating these middens with oyster shells, so mm-hmm. they could say, oh, you know, I'm eating too much oysters, you know, let's not eat too much oysters. Um, so this amazing, you know, millennia-old example of sustainability. And also once you have these collections of oyster shells, um, it kind of feeds nutrients back into the land. And there were yeah, right. that were really massive all around Australia. So someone I talked to, for this uh, podcast of the powerhouse called the Culinary Archive Podcast. Yes. Um, Dr. Chris Gillies, who was working at the Nature Conservancy at the time, who's done a lot of work about rehabilitating um, um, destroyed oyster reefs. Um, so they were kind of looking into how abundant oysters used to be. And there was a place, I think, up where Noosa is, where they had 12 metre high middens. So think about how huge like think about a twelve meter high building and then think about one that's like that's covered big. in oyster shells. So that's how think about how many oysters they were eating so they could have middens that high that were covered with oyster shells. And since we did the podcast I've heard of like one hundred meter, you know, big middens. So yeah. whereas now when you think about oysters, they're such a delicacy and they're so expensive because we definitely are not paving our roads with oysters because that would be such an expensive thing to do. If we're a little bit more coory and looked after our land and uh, you know sort of custodians rather than having dominion over it uh, we'd be a bit better off. Now globally it's estimated Mm. that 85% of 19th century oyster reef area has been lost in the last 200 years. And I have actually got a a thing of a site on St. Helena Island, which I think is in Queensland. Um, And they reckon there's an estimated 50 million shells uh, within that. And it shows how much of a garden uh, Australia was. And one of the things that you paint um, is this really, really evocative picture of Sydney Harbour is just this glorious, um, sparkly supermarket with um, prime real estate. It's, you know where where the where the Opera House is, but 
that place was, um, it still is a meeting place, but it was a, such an important meeting place for so many nations coming together, yeah? Yeah, that story comes through Jodie Orcher, who's a Ularate, the Kinji woman, um, she used to do the Aboriginal Heritage Tours at the um, Botanic Gardens in Sydney. And, yep. yeah, she is so great in the podcast describing how Sydney Harbour used to be the biggest seafood supermarket. supermarket. yes. Yeah, and you can just really take what you want because it's so abundant. Mm. And, you know, First Nations uh, communities take took such good care to make their consumption of oysters really sustainable. But unfortunately, uh, with British settlement and, like, yeah, you know, paving the roads with oysters, putting oysters in our buildings. um, They had these shell gangs just after settlement. Oh, Uh, yeah. um, Talk about a crappy job. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Worst job Um, ever. Tell us about what, what you had to do. So, all right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm ready for work, boss. All right, so what have I got to do? Can you tell us what they had to do? Yeah, so this was work done by convicts, yeah. really the worst convicts, because mm. the work was, like, really brutal. So they were trying to help meet Sydney's early colonial demand for bricks. So they'd have to go into riverbeds. They'd be waist-deep. It was really hard labour. Their feet would get slashed um, by the oyster shells. Yeah, and they, they were trying to they didn't, gather them. They didn't have the uh, Dunlop volleys on by, in those days. They hadn't been <laughs> invented yet. So, yeah, it's like yeah. strip down to your waist, good luck, uh, and uh, don't worry, the salt water will help, you know, disinfect the wounds as you get them. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that was that was one of, one of the bad, bad gigs. Um, it mm. does uh, the uh, the oyster one does cover a lot about uh, migration. Um, it talks mm. a lot. Uh, you talk a lot about the oyster salons. Um, yeah, that, that came. run by the Greek migrants. Yes. And who was the big family again? Before we we're going to have to wind oh, it up soon, Lee Chan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were the siblings, the Comino brothers, mm. who were so successful at running oyster saloons that actually any Greek person started being called a Comino just because, like, uh, the common. It was almost like McDonald's, you know, like they were just so prevalent. Yes. Um. So yeah, and then some businesses they weren't even Cominos, but they just said they were Cominos just because. The brand recognition of like a Comino Greek oyster saloon was so massive. Wow. Yeah, and unfortunately, with the Greek oyster saloon, they kind of faded out of the picture because um, oysters got so plundered. Yeah. There were just no more. You couldn't sell oysters for the equivalent of like three dollars for a dozen. You know, equivalent mm. of today's you know <laughs> rate. Wow. Um, and that's why the Greeks went into milk bars and soda parlours and, yeah, you don't really have Greek oyster saloons anymore. So, yeah, it's like, uh, okay, well, let's make milkshakes. All right, I'm getting the wind-up from Matt. You know what yeah. it's like when you're producing, it's yeah. all... He's standing, he's shaking his fist at me. No, he's not. He's just doing the wind-up <laughs> thing at the moment. Yeah. Um, Lee Tran, congratulations um, on that. Um, where and when do we get to see this series? Because um, The Oysters is just a single part of, uh, yeah. of what you put together. So um, Powerhouse website? Yeah, so you can download it through from Tuesday. You're lucky to have had a sneak preview. Mm-hmm. But from Tuesday, you can download it from Apple, Spotify, any of your favourite podcast 
platforms and will be dropping week to week. The first episode about oysters. We also go into how oysters are helping um, save the environment through this amazing work done by conservationists. Uh, we've got episodes on, like, coffee, which I feel like will really appeal to your Melbourne audience. Um, coffee, well, yeah. tomatoes. <laughs> um, Vegemite. Uh, grains, yeah. Vegemite, beer. Uh, what's the key word, Lee Chan? Sorry to cut across uh, you. What's yes, the, what's, yes. Tell us the uh, secret password. The, yes. So just look up the Culinary Archive podcast. And there's a trailer now so you can... Subscribe straight away yeah. and then get the new episodes from Tuesday when they drop. And if you've forgotten that, if you know you're going after to go, oh, yeah, I was listening to the radio, but I've forgotten, um, Powerhouse Museum in Sydney will be your gateway for all these things. Yes, yes. And uh, you can dive through the archives um, and, yeah, look up some of the oyster Stuff. material we use to uh, inspire the episode. That and find the Sydney Harbour Bridge pasta. Yeah, and done as oh, well. I like it. Actually, I'd like to come down to the powerhouse in Sydney and have a look at the. Uh, there's a, a, a mock little sort of model of a, a oyster bar from the 19th century. That sounds kind of good too. Congratulations on your work. It's been a joy talking to you. Um, oh, thank you, Sam. And um, look forward to maybe chatting again soon. So thank yeah. you. And yeah, thank you. Good luck um, with dropping you your baby. Yeah, and if you ever make it up to Sydney, please have a Lee Tran sandwich. Okay, <laughs> but I might ask for some oyster sauce in it. Yeah, Let's yeah, see how we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. 12.35 okay. here on 3 Triple RFM. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Oh, Katarina! I can hear Katarina in the in the background. Look at you! Just snuck into the studio when we weren't looking, and you filled our hearts, and uh, and soon to follow our stomachs, because this is what you do, huh? What I do is what it? you do, and you're now a legend. Oh my god, what's tell me what I'm supposed to be feeling because you were made a legend before oh, me. Damn, I thought we'd get, be able to get away with that without mentioning me. Um, I'm gonna ask you what changed. No, well, not much really. Um, uh, it, it, other than the, the fact that you, I've been given an extraordinary honor from uh, an institution which I value. Yes. Yes. Yeah? Oh, and that's the truth I, about I, it. I, I, I guess that, that's pretty much it. And um, <sighs> judged by your peers, in a way. Yes, peer reviewed, and maybe the fact that um, someone made the observation that it's not often that you can be named a legend in your own lunch in your own lifetime. <laughs> so you know that's good. But in the case of you, my dear. My dear, that sounds serious. It does, right? <laughs> See, I've got to actually do that just to, just to get it, get in there. Uh, is the fact that because you have given so much, and you are one of the great uh, front of house people, the doyen of hospitality, um, mm. and someone who has that sixth sense. There's there's not many people that have it in this industry that are able to work with full radar scans going all the time. Long-range scan, medium-range scan, behind-me scan. You know, I've been in 
Man, I'm in um, Bos- uh, at, at your beautiful place, Catalina's, mm-hmm. and you just go to the staff and just suddenly go, Table 7 needs that. Why hasn't this been done with the wine over there? And that person's plate over there, the plate's getting cold. Da-da-da-da, do it. Yeah. And you're able just to take all this in, process all this information. I'm their worst nightmare. You're, you're like an, right. You're, I am. You're I like am. an F-35 fighter, <laughs> you know, that is able to see the whole battleground <sighs> and take it all in and do yeah. that. And that's your gift. Yeah. And also by doing what you do, making it look effortless, and that is why you are a legend, and that's why we love you. And um, I'm honoured to have you here this afternoon because you always bring the sunshine even in the middle of winter, so hello. Oh, thank you so much, Cam. I I love Triple R. I love your show. And uh, the thing is it's an opportunity to speak to the people out there because we we have a a specific range that come to see me. And then then there's the whole audience out there. And then there's this beautiful family that we have here that mm. listen to us who um, we've got to say Matt and I we we love and respect because um, they are on mostly beautiful like-minded individuals yeah um, of uh, you know that have a great understanding of the world and um, and how we fit into it Yes, absolutely. And you have to be able to fit mm. in. Mm. That's that's a really interesting thing because I I was thinking about when I received mm. this uh, award and when I was told I was nominated and all that, mm. and I thought about it and I thought to myself, in October we turn 27. And the thing about running a business mm. is that you have to remain relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with, Without... Um, sacrificing yourself to fashion. Well, you know I'm the cross. You know I'm the cross girl. Yeah, Um, that's my my Madonna thing. Yeah, but um, yeah. Look, the thing is that in 27 years, if you think about it, Cam, you get up, you go to work, you do the job, you plan what you have to do, you hire staff, you hire chefs, you decide menus. You keep turning up. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. And and so myself, I'm probably amongst. A large group of people that do the same thing, um, and the ones that will survive are the people that may remain relevant, and they do that by youth, mm. by employing youth and surrounding themselves with people that know a bit more and that can drive you further. You know, I was yep. just thinking yep. when I opened up my first restaurant in 1989. Where was your first restaurant? Borsato in Nicholson Street. Yeah, um, whereabouts in Nicholson so Street? So four five two. It was opposite the uh, the the Seven uh, Eleven that got bombed. It was hysterical. That's that was at my the great bluebird. <laughs> great. Claim to fame. The seven or, or the bluebird? No, it was the it was, it the, was the seven eleven. 11. Yeah, oh, yeah. because it was near the bluebird. Yeah. And I think didn't the they bomb. find the the wires going from the bluebird in the back alley to the crazy? Yeah, anyway, yeah. It was different. So you're, Carlton those you're days. mature enough to remember that. Well, I used to, I lived in Station Street. <laughs> oh, there you go. A long, long time ago, yeah. where I used to go to the. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, anyway, go yeah, on, yeah, your yeah. your story. So, and anyway, and I was just looking up some basic facts because when I opened mm-hmm. up in 89, mm-hmm. the Gulf War was happening and I read just recently. Oh, yeah, the first bush, yes, yeah. yeah. And I was just, because what a crazy time to open up a restaurant. My yeah. father said, are you crazy? Yeah. And he was worried about me. Yeah. I should have been worried, but I had more grunt than, than yeah. I probably should have. But Chutzpah. 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 Yeah. But the thing is, uh, Cameron, that... I was reading that the first internet 
service provider was launched in 1989. Right. Now, think about that because I didn't have a computer in 89. Right. So let's fast forward now. So obviously I didn't go to school with computers. Right. When I was at Melbourne Uni, it was a totally Didn't have the Commodore 64. No, not no. at all. Just go back into a, yeah. what was before that. Uh, yeah, the slide rules. Falcon. And, 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 <laughs> Falcon, Falcon, Falcon. And, and, and logarithm <laughs> tables. Yes. But, you know, that's how far we have come. Mm. And where before it was Facebook, it's now TikTok. What I'm trying to say is that you've got to remain relevant. Mm. And I just try to do that with the people around me. And it's difficult sometimes because if you've been a, a business that's been around as long as I have, it's difficult to get the groovy chefs in because they want to go to the groovy places. I get all that. Mm. Um, but it doesn't mean there isn't a place for people like me. Uh, and there are many, many of us out there. So, mm. But it's also good to, to recognise the, the fact that um, as soon as you, you go down that that route where you're going to be fashionable, yeah, you become unfashionable. Yes, you know, and that's uh, oh, there you go. Matt's just gone to write that down. <laughs> I've said something good. I like that. Yeah, yes. you always you know yes. those moments because Matt reaches <laughs> for the pen. Uh, that's right, Matt. Um, but 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 it's true. If you um, and there are places that rise above that folly of of, of frivolous fashion. Yeah. Well, I have to say when I went to Katarina, so you know that I was in my mid-30s and obviously... And you're taking over a basement restaurant. Yeah, which is a dud, yeah. a total dud. Yes. Total dud. And people all said to me, in fact, I think I said in my speech, most people said I was going to fail. They they gave me no hope of survival. Was this and mostly blokes? Were there any women that said... Go, no, sister. They, they, they were, well, I was very much in a bloke's world, don't yeah. forget. It, it, it's changing now, but not when I was there 27 years ago. It was really different. Yeah. And, um, and I also pushed myself, because remember in the days of Ross Campbell, who was doing 3AW? Do you remember? <laughs> Ross Campbell. <laughs> no, no, don't laugh. But you know that myself as a young woman, <laughs> I was volunteering to, yeah. to go on because I needed to, to – I wanted to further my career and I realised yeah. that it's not enough just to cook. Cooking does not make a restaurant successful. Mm. Uh, it is a very big part of it but it's not the only reason because... What makes it successful? Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you. Well, um, you'd be, be, be begging the question so I thought I'd fall into your trap. What makes it successful? So, yeah. Um, you know, many, many... So many, it's not just the cooking. It's not the cooking. So you've, you've got to put these days wine into the equation because mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. years ago, yeah. wine really wasn't that important, was it? We're all drinking Redmond's Claret um, or, you know, yeah. Rouge Homme, uh, or you know. But what I'm saying is that you've got to know, you've got to understand wine these days. So suddenly opening up a restaurant, having a great chef and not understanding wine that's not going to cut it anymore. No. It won't cut it. And people are and, quite... And also, dare I say, you also have to have psalms that are friendly yes. and and uh, helping you out rather than the keepers of the secrets. Oh, Remember yes. those? Yeah. We... You know, they wouldn't tell I you. I can't see you. You can. can't see me. You know, <laughs> I can't tell you what this wine tastes like or yep. what's in it because yes. I remember, here's one of my great moments, uh, Blake's Restaurant on, oh. um, right? Yes. Blake's which used to be at uh, Help Me, what's that big place that's uh, South Stella. Bank? South Bank. No, no, South, South Bank. Bank. And uh, there was a, a Somme and her name was Maddie. 
Maddie. And I remember one day I went in for lunch yeah. and I said, Maddie, I'm, I'm going to eat this. What, what do you think I should drink with it? And rather than being the secret keeper and saying you could maybe have this, she said, oh, I'll give you three. You can have this one because it's got the fruit that'll match the this and this sort of red fruit and go with that. And then maybe you could have that and because this aspect of the wine will really, really good with this part of the food. And then you've got this one which is a bit avant-garde because the whole thing will sort of go well together. Oh, I nearly fell out of my chair. Joy, joy. So anyway, you need yeah. a good psalm so that so, will help it. God bless you, Maddie, wherever you are now because – that was a great moment. And I only it was a recently saw Blakey, actually. I mean, he was a bit of a guru, wasn't he? He, he was. was inc- inc- he was incredible. Um, they, <laughs> were, they, were, they were the people that I looked up to, of course. Yes. Because um, they were shakers and movers. So you either got the people that went into large business or... They shaped what we eat yeah. and how we ate. Yes, they did. They did. Mm. And then you've got the big conglomerates like the McConnells and the Chris Lucases, of, or you are small business. Yes. So there's a big divide, and that big divide is relative to fit-outs. I mean, $5 million fit-out, small business doesn't have that money. To to recoup, you know, a, a, a million dollars, you've got to probably turn over $13 million in, in percentage terms, yeah? Yeah, there was a time when the architects sort of ruled the, the roost yes. and people got yes. so mugged by their yes. architects. Well, look, we might find out a little bit more the, about that in a sec. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Katarina's just had a, a, a little bite from a place that just does one thing. Portuguese tart, Casanada in uh, High Street, Thornbury. It's a pretty special thing, isn't it? Oh, my it? God. It just it sort of got <laughs> in my teeth, mm. the pastry, but it's oh. not too gooey and it's... Mm. It's, it's perfection. It really, really is. And it's getting that. So anyway, we were talking about opening a place uh, in the city, in a basement. People said, Katarina, you know you'll never get your money back on that. Mm. And you said, screw you guys. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, and you I shook your fist did. at them. Yeah, I know that's you. That's why I love you so much, Katarina. Go, yeah, screw you guys. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to show you all. Yeah. And here you are all these years after... Um, a legend in your own lifetime. Well, look, when I actually got the award, I did say this is for my father because uh, <gasps> oh, Giovanni Borsato, what a guy, what a man my dad was, blue eyes, black hair and groovy. Oof. And he drinks scotch and he understood wines. Unusual yeah. for a migrant. But because he didn't just come out here and go to work, he worked at the iconic society restaurant. That's he right. got to work with society. people. Yeah. With society, yeah. and that taught him to live. Where was Society Restaurant? Just give paint a picture. It was at the top of Burke Street, on the opposite side to Florentino's. Because mm. in its last dying gasp, it went through a horrible iteration oh, of the Etamunga Pub, which was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just going, "Oh God, I'm so sorry." What were they but thinking? Oh they weren't God. thinking, Caterina. No, they no, weren't no, thinking. But no. what was Society at its high point? So, well, Rino Codognato was the owner. Say his name again. Rino. 
Codagnotto. Oh, my God. And he also oh, was made a legend yeah. of the festival yeah. um, because I was asking them how many festival legends there are and whatnot. Yes. And there's been about 150. But yeah. these are all different walks of life, which is a beautiful thing. And yeah. Reno put his stamp in Melbourne. And my father, I have to say... My education started at home. So whereby people are now foraging. We were doing that when I was home back in 1976. You, mm. you know what I'm trying to say? I remember Italians getting the, the mm. mussels off the rocks yeah. down, down in Brighton. Absolutely. All and all the, the skippies are going, turning their nerves, going, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, the, the, and there's stories about, you know, the fishermen giving away calamari because no one knew what to do with it and, and the, the Italians, Italians going, oh, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do something with that. They stuffed them, they brazed them, they, oh, mm. my God, I just, you know. The, and you're right, this is what we were doing a long time ago. Mm. Um, probably never recognised. It took a little bit, little bit of time for those things to come into the fore. And, uh, and you know, as we know, that Melbourne dining has been built on migrants. There's no doubt about it. And they have left us the most important things, which is the love of food and wine. That's what they've given us. And also, uh, and by sharing that love of food and wine, gives us a bridge to their civilization. Yes. And it allows for understanding of a person. Yes. Show me what you eat and I'll tell you who you are. And by showing me and inviting me to eat with you, I'll hang out with you and start to understand you. Um, Katerina, uh, your restaurant, of course, is called? Katerina's Cucina e Bar. Where don't is it? A, don't ask me why I named it that. Too long a story at okay. 221 Queen Street. Mm. I love Channel 31. That's where I got a big start, very all unrehearsed, and it's been a wonderful 20 years of my life, mm. uh, giving back to community. So that's the thing about it's not just about making money, but I've given to community and I hope that when I go, they'll just remember I just tried to put the Italians on the map. I did. Well, you certainly did. And, um, <laughs> and if you want to experience possibly just the most wonderful experience as well as, you know, great food is a given with uh, what you've got, great wines. Um, Katarina's is the place. Matt, you and I, we need to go yeah, and eat there one day. Why yes, haven't we you? Well, we just what a good question. Why good haven't question. you? I, I don't know. I've asked you often <laughs> enough. Yeah, I know. But, uh, so make a date. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.